Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bolick, your host. So last time Kirsten and I began a discussion on swings, we got so carried away, we had to make this one podcast into two. We love talking about swings. We use them all the time in therapy. So this is part two of our podcast about swings. So Kirsten is here with me, and we're going to start right where we left off last time talking about swings in therapy. From, again, a physical therapy standpoint, one area that you might not consider, but back to developmental milestones, not using a swing for actually the swing component, but for a child that's learning to crawl up and down stairs. I'll use the platform swing really as a motivator because that's fun. It's something different. It's something new. It's something that they don't have at home. They have stairs at home, but it serves also as a one step. So if I'm teaching a child to go up a stair, it acts as a one step depending on how much I put it up from the floor. They crawl up on there. They get to swing. Yay, it's a reward. Now I have to teach them how to get down. And a lot of times where I start with down from the steps because visually they want to go down head first. Well, I want them to turn their body around and come down feet first. First, again, safety mm-hmm. foremost, mm-hmm. but I can use that single step the swing in training for development. Yeah. And kids that age, I envision you working with love to get off and on and off and on. And they're the same exact developmental stages where they're putting things in and dumping stuff out and all that kind of stuff. And for speech, you know, they're all about dumping in, taking out, dumping in. Yep. Those little people of that age are like tornadoes. They can just like tear a room apart in no time. (laughs) And typically a toddler's attention span is very short anyway. So if you have something that they're attending to for longer, yay, winning. (laughs) Well, exactly. A hundred percent. So let's talk about this horse and bolster swing because that's like my favorite swing thing to do. So I love a horse or a bolster swing. I always like do that whole ride a little horsey up to town. I don't care the age of the child. I think it's just in my brain, but I do that a lot. If they don't like it, I won't do it, of course. But it's a great like horse swing. It's a great alligator swing. I call it alligator for some reason. We're riding on the log in the river and then we fall down and the alligators are going to get us. Kids love that. And so I'll one, two, three, four, five, again, start to finish. And then sort of I control dump them off, which really surprises the heck out of this kid. They're like, I cannot believe you just dumped me off that swing. Now, that's not what they say, because if they did, they really would need me. But the look on their face says that. And then they have to figure out how to get back on the swing, which is awesome because then they got a motor plan, figure out how to hold on to it. You know, I'm not going to let Or they have to ask for help. They have to ask for help, you know, picking their foot up and then they're trying to, you know, so it's great, like all of that, which is so good for their language and their speech. So good. Mm -hmm. And then they have to dump it off and then they start to predict that you're going to dump them off. So then you can sort of change it up if you need to, to make them. Sometimes they start to request a dump off, you know, and then you can kind of get into the play routine where you're riding the horse. You know, ah, the horse fell down. Oh, no. Or they have to fall into the alligator. Ah, the alligator is going to get you, get you, you know, it's going to fall down. And then you can even use it with some artic kids for who really don't want to pay attention. You know, they have to fall on the alligators and they got to say their sounds three times and they get back on the swing. Right. You get less productions, but for the child who really doesn't want to do that or really is not into it at all, you can do that if you have to. It's not my most favorite, but you can. I really like that swing bolster or the horse, like what we're talking about for the ability to hold on and cross midline. So I'll usually pull bubbles in for this one because hmm. I can catch the bubble on a wand, have them reach across, pop the bubble.
bubble and I've got them yeah. on a swing. So I've got some sustained attention with me. I can, you know, give a couple pushes in between again, so I can get more repetitions out of it. And then also sometimes with a child that has like cerebral palsy or some higher tone through the lower extremities, anything you can do to disassociate the lower extremities. So if I can open up their legs, if they're, you know, you picture a child that has some scissoring, like they have scissoring gait or they have tightness through the adductors. By putting them on the bolster or the horse, you're opening that up. Well, now they can't use their tone patterns to maintain an upright posture. They have to actually work to dissociate and use their postural trunk muscles without the adductor tone. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole nother reason and rationale for what type of child would go on that swing. That makes sense to me. A lot of times I'll use this activity for a child with apraxia who is having trouble getting out a variety of sounds, who maybe only has just a few sounds they can say, like maybe just D or maybe just G, and they're having trouble with their vowels. Then a lot of times I'll use this swing. So every time they have to go, even if they say a D sound instead of G, who cares? But you want them to be able to repeat saying that sound. And then you can sort of start to do different vowels. So you can do or you can da or D or do so you take whatever they can do and whatever the level they are and what sounds they can get out. And then you start to pair it and challenge them with some sounds that they have more trouble with or using the sounds they can do in a different way. So maybe they can do CVs, but they can't do VC. So then you can use the vowels they can do and start to combine it with the consonant they can do, but in a different placement. So this bolster swing is great for that because your proximity is really tight and close. Mm -hmm. Usually kids who have apraxia don't want to do this, what I'm talking about doing, because it's really hard. Lots of thinking. And so the swing is a great distraction, great motivator. Your proximity is close. You can help shape the sound because you're right there in their face, literally. So you can really do a lot of sound shaping, tactile, oral motor to help. And then you've got the swing as a distraction. And you can get a lot of productions. Now, in that situation, you can get a ton of productions in one session using that bolster swing. And again, on this bolster swing, even if I'm not doing any of the above I've talked about, this is a great thing. You can take any toy whatsoever, combine it. You can use lots of multiple word phrases and, you know, throw cow yellow, throw dog blue if you're throwing the dog in the blue bucket or something like that. You know, you can go from single words to multiple word phrases easily with this activity. Mm -hmm. Just saying. <laughs> and then, of course, all the other stuff you said. So the Lycra swing is a great swing. I pause because sometimes it can... With the Lycra swing, in my opinion, Kirsty, this is how I feel about it. It's a great swing. It's great for calming. It's great for tactile and oral motor, especially when they're not into it. You can do some really good stuff with that. I'm just talking about with the child's like in the Lycra swing, nice and dark, you know, calming, all that kind of stuff. But you have to know when you're done with all of that and when the child is calmed down enough to move out of the Lycra swing, or you can send your whole entire session in the Lycra swing and you've got nothing done. So sometimes the Lycra swing can be my very best friend and then it can be my like worst enemy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about it. Similar, but I actually prefer just a Lycra piece of fabric that you can strap from one hook on the swing hook to another hook swing hook and you have it stretched out because I will get in there with the child. Now you're getting all cray cray. So now we have each of us is in this Lycra giant fabric thing. Hmm. That's where I like to do ball play. How you go tie that bad boy up to the swing hook? Just tie it. Like with a ladder? Sure. Just like a regular knot or what kind of knot? Just a knot. It's not going anywhere. You're not up in the air. You're on the ground. Okay. That Lycra fabric is so stretchy. You're not up in the air. But what it does is visually mm. it blocks everything around you. So you have complete attention with the child. You're there. You're in this Lycra cocoon. And I can get more engagement with ball play because as a PT... That's primarily what I'm looking for. Engagement, reciprocity, ball play back and forth. Those are the skills I need to hone in and develop, 
Now I can get requesting more go. I can get some of those things in because I've co-treated and worked with speech therapists and that's what their goals are. So I can incorporate that in, but that's where I like the Lycra swing. I know the swing that you're talking about. And yes, again, for calming peekaboo. So early development, if I'm, that's something that I might work on or requesting, make the swing go again. Yeah. If I'll work on, you know, body awareness, like if they're Mm -hmm. having a hard time and they're over aroused, I'll put them in the Lycra swing and then hide objects up their pant leg or under their shirt so that Mm -hmm. it increases body awareness. So those are two primary examples of when I would use it as a physical therapist. Yeah, I agree with all that you said there. And the same thing for speech in terms of sometimes speech isn't thinking body awareness as much as just like not in a different way, but really for a different purpose, you know, like hiding the animal at the pant leg or that kind of thing. Or you can put like an Easter egg in there with them with like swing. They have to open it up and and find whatever's inside and you can use whatever based on your goals with that. So that's good. It's just sometimes the child gets really complacent in there and kind of like, oh, this is nice. You know, I'm just going to get out here in this like swing. Yeah, like a hammock. And I'm like, wait a minute. Now we're not doing anything therapeutic anymore. You're just swinging like in a hammock. That's not what we're doing. (laughs) Yeah, no. And it's not like a hammock, but you know what yeah. I mean. That's basically the same concept. Yeah. That's when I'm like, wait, no. And then sometimes it's really hard to get them out of there. But then you just sort of shorten up the lycra swing and then oopsie, they fell out and it sort of fell down all of a sudden. It can't work anymore. So oopsie. And we've used them in the developmental day centers where you have a young, mm-hmm. young child that's in a noisy classroom. You can take a tumble form and put in these lycra swings and use it yeah. for purposes of calming. Yeah, you can. And it's nice and dark. So it's also good for like if you do like a finger light, like the little lights that we have that you can put on your finger. And then you can like name body parts, you can name like little whatever objects. I have done it with that too when the child's really overstimulated. The Lycra swing is good and we're still doing something therapy wise, but then I want to start encourage with some more than also like a lighted up thing with to name things. That's kind of nice in Lycra swing because it's nice and dark in there. I don't usually put, sometimes kids who are visually impaired, like, you know, they have trouble with swings a lot just because of that whole gravitational insecurity. They're not sure where their body is, not what's happening. They, they're feeling things more. They don't see, they don't understand. But I have had sometimes luck with an Allegra swing, especially if I don't have a dark room and a child can see light and dark with a lighted thing. And then like, I have done sometimes with that with a child who's visually impaired, but that's, you got to have the right situation, right kid, right everything, you know? Yep. So, so sometimes I've used a Lycra swing in lieu of a dark room. Like if I didn't have a dark room, then I could use a Lycra swing instead with the same general concept happening where I use a light up toy and identify objects because the Lycra swing is nice and dark. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I have done that, especially in a real crowded environment when I wasn't going to have a dark room, but I needed to do light up stuff. But, you know, right situation, right kiddo, right everything, and then it works. Okay, so uh, what we the two swings we talked about we have left are like the pogo swing and the surfboard swing. So for me, I've done the exact same thing with mm-hmm. these swings that I've done with the platform swing. So I think probably we need to hear more from you, Kirstie, and how you're using those like for motor yeah. and all that. I think they have very different purposes. Mm -hmm. So the pogo swing, again, it's for vestibular movement. You're moving linear, you're moving up and down in space. It can be for getting out a little energy because you're actually jumping. So it can be a pre-jumping activity. Good verb, by the way, just, but go ahead, keep talking. (laughs) And also for overall body strengthening, because you got to hold on. You got your core firing, you got your upper body firing, you got to maintain your balance. So that's primarily that pogo swing and your justification for doing that intervention is very different than using a platform swing. Yeah. But, you know, I would still encourage speech therapists to use the pogo swing. If you're worried about, you know, can this child do this? Is it safe? Is it not? Then you should ask for sure. And then also, of course, you're always going to want to be on guard. You never want to leave a child alone. You know, want to be like contact guard kind of situation. Potentially, if you're not sure is what I would always do just in case. But 
just ask. If you don't feel comfortable, then of course don't do it. But, you know, don't be afraid to do it. And you can do the same thing you said before. You can sit on it. You wrap your legs mm-hmm. around it. You hold on. Again, it's kind of like the teardrop. Um, you see those teardrop swings. Very yes. similar pogo swing. But the pogo actually has more that you can do with it. And then the surfboard swing is a very different purpose that I'll use developmentally and as a prerequisite for walking or cruising because it's all weight shifting. To get the swing going, you're going side to side. You're shifting your body weight. And you can do that seated as well. Hold on to the ropes and just weight shift side to side. It's all pre-walking gait training. So I wouldn't have thought to put a little one on there, but that's a great idea. When you think swings, you think, oh, this is all OT. This is all sensory. But there's so much more to a swing. It is so much more to a swing. So if you're putting a little one on it, like you're talking about, the swing is not very far off off the ground. No, 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 no. Or like a child, a late walker. So I've done this with children with Down syndrome because they got to hold on. You got to have divided attention. You got to be able to hold on and stand up and maintain your balance. And then when they're ready, I can then work on weight shifting side to side. You know, I could also see that to introduce and to encourage kids to work in a different plane of movement. Because, you know, so many times our children who are who are visually impaired or kids who are diagnosed with autism, they sort of work in one plane of movement, like their head's always up. They're always moving front and back, you know, forward and backward. And they're never, a lot of times those kids aren't moving their body side to side or they're not, you know, laterally or they're not turning upside down as much as others, you know, kind of thing. And that surfboard swing sort of encourages that lateral plane of movement, you know? Well, cruising is lateral movement, but a lot of times like children with Down syndrome, they're going to move through the sagittal plane. So they're going to go front to back. They're not going to rotate. So I don't think you're really hitting the rotation component, but you are getting lateral movement instead of just that front to back. Yeah, Because so many of our kids, sometimes I feel like they just are sort of in a one plane. And so that might encourage, or there may be a use for that sometimes, but I think swings in general would help encourage some different planes of movement, different ways to move your body than they might do naturally. Yeah which again, I think is great for speech and language just because it stimulates the brain, stimulates the inner ear in a different way. If a child never turns upside down, that's a little bit of a problem. You know, you do want to encourage, you know, the blood flow in a different way. You do want to stimulate the middle ear in a different way all of that. So I think it's just really important to also have your eyes, you know, work and adjust in a different type of way and different plane of movement. It kind of just gets out of your normal and and just sort of a rote, which we struggle with, especially speech therapists, we struggle with a lot in like language, just sort of rote phrases, rote, you know, you just repeat echolalia. There's a lot of that that happens. And so I think if you get the body moving in a different way and the brain stimulated, the eyes stimulated, the ears stimulated, their whole sensory system, everything stimulated, their different motor, their body moving doing different motor patterns completely out of their comfort zone, then I believe it could help also with the speech and becoming less echolalic, less rote. So those are our swings that we like. We use them all the time in therapy. I tell you, we're all about swings over here. So we challenge you to branch out, use different swings, but know why. Know why you're using them. Yes, exactly. So thanks everybody for listening. Thank you again, Kirstie. I tell you, your insight and all this is awesome. Thanks. There's such great learning. I love it. I learned lots of good new stuff today. So thank you. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com.